good morning, good day, and good evening. I'm, as always, your host, Brody Robertson, and today, I think this is episode 200. Don't quote me on that, and I don't have anything special planned. Um, maybe I'll do something another time. Or maybe I'll just forget about it like I did with every celebration on the main channel. Regardless, welcome to the show, Kai Potter, as part of the KDE Network, a project that many of you probably have never heard of. How's it going? I'm good. How are you, Brody? Not too bad. Uh, also, just a heads up for the people that have trouble with accents, there is now two Australians on the podcast, so good luck with that. <laughs> Oh no! I look. I I've had people from like all over the world on. I had um Mirko Bromben on, and he has like a really thick Italian accent and struggles with English. So I'm sure people will be fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure people are already saying, "Oh, why why are they British? Why are they New Zealand?" Just 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 stop. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I I was asked what part of Britain I was from when I was over in the US quite a lot. Yep, yep. <laughs> I don't get it myself. I don't know. It's not that difficult to tell the difference. I think they're listening for the, um, like, stereotypical, like, Australian accent that doesn't exist outside of American movies. Uh, I've I've spoken to some people that live, like, real rural. Like, I, I know some people that live, like, along the Murray and they've got some pretty, pretty thick accents. It's just outside of that, you're just not going to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, KDE Network. I guess we'll start with what even is this? Because, as we were talking about before, just finding the fact that it exists is kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah, um, turns out... Our uh, SEO, like, um, how easy it is to Google this is, uh, it's impossible. You can't find it. <laughs> you have to know exactly where it is and what it is mm -hmm. already, which sort of defeats the point. Yeah, um, yeah. But the entire point of it is just uh, to build communities in places where free software, um, like adoption, would be scattered or non-existent. Mm -hmm. Um basically to build up user groups in places. Mm, mm. So, for example, Australia, not very many people, like it's not nearly as big here as it is in, uh, let's say, Germany or other countries in, um, in Europe. Mm, mm. Um, for example, like um, we have some like KDE and even other open source projects, like there's some really great products here. Like we've got Critter, we've got Caden Live. Mm -hmm. Those are usable by anyone, no matter what operating system you're on. I think Crit is even on Android now. Um, I don't know how or, but it, it somehow happened. Um, oh, it but is. But they're not really that well known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the point of this project is to try and uh, bring bring that and also all of our promotion and all of that outside of Europe, outside of that area of the world because all of the contractors a lot of the people who are in kde are all in that same geographical area so it's mm -hmm. not we can promote really hard there but there's only so many there's only so much there and there's so many people in the rest of the world yeah yeah like i've noticed it's not just a kde thing but like 
Red Hat does events a lot in Europe. Gnome does events in Europe. A lot of the time, there is events in Europe. There's there obviously a lot of stuff that happens in the US as well, but it seems like primarily Europe is where it happens. Yeah, everything happens in Europe, and the point of this is to try and at least have something outside of there. Mm -hmm. um, and even the events that do exist outside of Europe, KDE isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the point of this project is to have a small community in every country around the world mm -hmm. um, to try and expand expand our horizons beyond that. Mm -hmm. uh, wait, where is the website? Wait, did they let the <laughs> I went to the LinuxConf AU's website and I think they let their... They let their SSL cert expire. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let's not... Uh... Let's go to their Twitter page. Fine. Well, I guess that explains why there's no event planned for 2023. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, yeah, it seems like they just didn't have any plan at all throughout the entire year. But there is everything open, which happened back in March. Yes. Um, the Australian network... Um, hmm currently consists of myself and a few others, and mm -hmm. we haven't actually attended any events yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the Australian network is um, inactive at the moment, mm -hmm. is the best way to say it. Uh, yeah. We need more members. Yeah, I did scroll through the um, matrix, and I've noticed that, what, like, the last message was, like, September or so? Yeah. We exist, and we're all there wanting to help, but none of us have actually been available to go to any events at right, the moment. Right, right. Um, that is just the Australian one, though. For example, um, the USA. I don't have. I don't have the ones that have happened this year. Mm -hmm. um, I have the ones that happened uh, last year, though. Okay. Uh, for example, they went to Scale nineteen. Wait, Scale nineteen X. That makes it sound like it was twenty nineteen. Did I? No, oh. it started in twenty twenty. That doesn't work. Okay, Scale nineteen X, mm -hmm. which is the um, largest community run uh, software conference in North America. Mm -hmm. We go, uh, scale 19. Oh, okay. They called it 19X because it was the 19th edition. Oh, like a, yeah, 19th expo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, went to scale 19X and mm -hmm. funnily enough, uh, the All American High School Film Festival. Okay, sure. Um, so the reason we went to that one is because. Caden Live exists and uh, yep. it's free. And have you seen how much Adobe charges? Let's find out. I, I've not used Adobe in a long time. Um, Adobe, is it Adobe Cloud? Is that what they call it? Oh, uh, yeah, Creative Cloud. Let's have a look. Uh, okay, buy now. So, for the all app suite, $43.97 a month. Why would you pay $29 for Acrobat? Okay. For just video stuff, let's say you just want Premiere. 30 Australian dollars a month. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's a bit. <laughs> or Caden Live, mm. $0 a month and it's open source. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... So, it, because it's, it's full-featured, um, but it doesn't have a large user base, Mm -hmm. So, there was 
yeah, we did an event over there, though the uh, USA um, KDE Network did an event, uh, like put up a booth at that film festival. Mm-hmm. And a uh, quote from uh, their blog article they wrote, uh, we reached lots of excited students. I suspect many of them will try Caden Live shortly. Moreover, we, rec- we reached many excited educators who thought Caden Live would fit in their classroom in one way or another. Oh, wow. So it seemed like it had, like, a, a positive effect then. A very positive effect from this. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's, um, that's just what the uh, USA group's done. There's also, like, we go over to, um, oh, what's another big one? Um, the next biggest one, I would say, actually, you know, probably bigger than what we did in the USA, would be mm-hmm. India. Um, mm-hmm. Because... I've just realized I don't know how to pronounce this. Give me a moment. <laughs> I still cannot pronounce that. Um, type it in the chat. Okay. Uh, um, Malayalam? I'm okay. I think that's, cl- I think that's it. It's as good um, as we're going to get. Yes. Uh, we were, so, um, so, of course, schools and governments and everything in India needs computers and stuff to, for, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Right. Um, we actually managed to get, through this KDE network program, we managed to get um, all of our KDE software mm-hmm. translated and localized to um, that language. Mm-hmm. Before Windows. Oh, okay. And because of that, we now have an official government contact. And um, I'm not sure if you've heard it. Uh, G-Compress, uh, one of our pieces of software, um, is used very widely in the school system, um, as well as Critter and Caden Live. Wow. No, I wasn't aware of this one. So this is like a... Decompress is a highly a high quality educational software suite, including a number of activities for children aged two to ten. Okay. Oh, so it's like an identify color thing. Oh, so it's like a just a general overall like education suite. Yes. That's um, cool. and it's used very widely in schools um in that region. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So apparently, a lot of uh, Kerala, which is um quite actually a, 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 huge, a pretty big chunk of India mm-hmm. is um, is very widely using this software. Um, mm-hmm. So we have, we've targeted that area and people actually know what our software is over there. Wow. So that, that's actually really cool. Cause I know there is, um, there's a lot of projects that are, What's, what's, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, um, it starts with an E. Dist, uh, Linux distro. Uh, ship's gnome. Um, someone's gonna. I've had the guy who runs it on the show. Uh, <laughs> there, there's, oh no. There's a there's there are projects like that which are definitely targeting like uh, developing nations, and it's it's good to see that there's more happening. There's more of that happening outside of just 
GNOME-based projects because, you know, GNOME's great as well, but KDE offers a different experience, and it would be nice to see KDE trying to fill in, uh, fill in those gaps that maybe, you know, that, like, those projects are not touching yet. We need options. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, there's, without options, there's no competition, and without competition, there's no anything. Mm-hmm. We need competition. There needs to be, you know, realistically, we need Windows, we need Mac OS, we need Linux, and we need all the desktop environments that come with it. Yep. As many options as we can get, the more options, the better. Mm-hmm. But options aren't anything if you don't know about them, and that's what yes. this uh, whole project is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, those... I, I still can't actually believe that we managed to... <laughs> We managed to do that Mm -hmm. uh, with that um, India thing. Well, I Um, guess if there's a void there that's not being filled, like it's it's not like it's not that crazy that it happens. It would be one thing, you know, if there was already like Windows established there as like the the main thing. But if Windows hadn't approached that like that translation yet, like it it makes perfect sense why something that's actually going to deal with it, you know, fits well into that space. And that's one of the advantages you have of these these open source FOSS projects, whatever term you'll be using. If someone wants to do that translation, they don't have to wait for some contract to come along to get it done. Like if they want it done, then you know they can you know with a couple of other people get that done themselves. Yes. Um, again, all of our translation stuff—it's all out there. Anyone can pop in and start working on it. Mm-hmm. And if we need people in a specific area who know a specific language, we will see if we can find people there who are willing to contribute mm-hmm. and perhaps do what we did in India. Um, I mean, in that, um, in um, Kerala, I probably said that wrong, but see if we can do that in more places, spread mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's what we did in India. Uh, we've also been to... Uh, Brazil and went to Latinoware, mm-hmm. um, which is the biggest free software event in Latin America. Uh, another quote from their blog. I have one of these for everyone except for the India one for some reason. <laughs> is there a problem on my end or is it just a bunch of websites with break- uh, broken SSL certs right now? Um, did you, is Latinoware broken for you? Yeah, it's, let, check it out yourself. What is happening? Okay, no, so that's it's not broken my end. to me as well. Okay, okay, that's good. I'm happy there's nothing broken on my side. Um, when did it expire? Uh, let's see. Certificate not valid. Not after 21st. That's a couple of days out. Yeah. Huh. If anyone from Latinoware happens to see this, um, fix your SSL cert. Yep. Let's go to the Instagram. That'll work. Okay, here we go. Instagram has a working SSL cert. They know how to automate it. Um, yes. Here we go. Um, <laughs> okay, now we can see what they do. Cool. Okay. Um, quote from their blog. Um, they loved everything and many attendees were unaware that actual free software existed for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. Because, again, even you haven't heard of um, G-Compress. Mm. Well, it's not exactly like something targeted towards me, so it kind of makes sense why I hadn't heard of it, but... It would be nice if stuff like this was able to get out there a lot more. 
Yeah, yeah. But uh, if people, I mean, like if people like you don't know about it, I mean, you're very much in the space. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. Then what chance does some primary school or some preschool have of finding out about that? I guess that's a good way to put it, yeah. If someone in the space can't find it, people mm -hmm. outside of the space definitely can't find it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so we went to Latino where a um, lot of exposure through that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in China, we also have a community in China. Mm -hmm. um, we went to the Linux Application Ecosystem Salon. What a name. It Linux is a name. Tell me they don't have a broken SSL cert. Linux application ecosystem. Wait, I've e sent it to you in chat if you need to yeah, copy paste yeah, it. I don't want to type oh, it's ungoogleable as well. Oh, I love how I love how one of the things that comes up is our fabricator ticket when you search that. Okay, wait, Ubuntu Kylan went there. That's something. Um Wait, wait, wait. No, I think I found it. I think maybe. Or this is a blog about it. Oh, the, okay, this is a blog about it. Okay, this works. This is from okay. 2021. Um, yep, I'm on that blog as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, this is... This is one of the people who was in our... Um, yeah, that's actually from someone in KDE Network China. Oh, <laughs> I, perfect I think, that, I think that is... I'm not 100% sure, but I've I think I've become a KD developer and joined Plasma Mobile Team. Well, they're a KD developer regardless. Yeah. Um, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, didn't meet any Chinese developer online. I'm going to say they're in, um, they're in that. I could probably check just by going to the list. All of the lists of who's in all these groups are public. Um, and... Yeah, so they were there to, yeah, just promote development of the software within Chinese unis. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, because there's a, a bit of a disconnect um, because China, mm -hmm. um, about how SOS development actually works. Mm -hmm. So this was also to sort of promote um, how this software is developed, how everything works. Because you can't contribute to something if you don't know, well, one, that you can, and mm -hmm. two, how to do it. So right. that was a big focus of that event. What do you mean there's and a disconnect with, like, how to do it? There would probably be a bit of a disconnect how to do it. And also the fact that we exist at all is another one. Mm -hmm. uh, and another quote from their blog, after the event, I was approached by many students asking how they can support KDE. Mm -hmm. So we... Probably got a couple of contributors through that. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't have hard facts there as we don't keep a register of where everyone is. Right. Because that would be weird. Um, yeah, those are the major events that we have attended. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the moment, we are still trying to grow this program to more countries, to more everything. Mm -hmm. Get as get as many people as we possibly can into these groups, spread them out as far over, you know, as many different places around the world as we can, mm -hmm. just to try and at least 
allow people to find our software because you know seo isn't perfect especially not of this program for some reason um we can't just rely on word of mouth to spread things across borders mm-hmm. so when did the project first start if you uh, know around about yes i do have that it was proposed in uh, 2020, actually, at Academy 2020, mm-hmm. uh, but the project actually started in 2021. Okay. So it is, like, really new then? It is a very new program, yes. Katie Network. I wonder if I can find the proposal. Uh, no, I'm not going to find the proposal. Uh, um, it would probably wait. be wait, I think I found in... It. Yeah, you should be able to find it. It would probably be on YouTube, Um, just a recording of that proposal coming through. Uh, I found the write-up on .kdu.org. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think this is it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um... Uh... Anika, is it? Is that how you say it? Um, uh, Anika, yeah. Yeah, Anika. Um, that name's on the, uh, write-up here. Yeah. Um, they also did a talk at Academy, uh, 2021, talking mm-hmm. a bit of a progress report as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I noted that one down, but not the proposal. <laughs> well, you got something. Um, I've got something. And, yeah, all the stuff that happens through these um, promo events all mm-hmm. go onto the um, community reports, mm-hmm. um, which is slash reports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are the annual report from KDE. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will find pretty much all of the activities um, from all these different communities and even non-KDE network stuff be put mm-hmm. together in these reports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information here. So, obviously, we have these... Actually, we'll do this in a two-part. If someone wants to join an existing KDE network, say the Australia one what would be the process they would go through to actually do so? And is there a different process based on, you know, which group? Um, as far as I know, other networks don't really have any special groups, any special rules. Mm-hmm. You just have to be from that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, of course, join the broom, like the Matrix room if you aren't from that area, but mm-hmm. to actually properly join uh, the group, you should actually be at least capable of traveling to that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to be willing to carry out a KDE event in that area mm-hmm. and basically join the matrix, talk to people. And when something's coming up, just ask, hey, you're going to this event, can I join? Or, hey, I want to go to this event. Does anyone want to help me try and get there? Mm-hmm. KDE EV will sponsor all of the promotional materials if you if you try to go to an event, for example, usually you'll get um, a KDE tablecloth uh, and a KDE banner and a couple of other things to bring along with you. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on where you are, that would either be shipped out to you or whatever. Um, but to start your own, um, your own thing in your own country, mm-hmm. all you really need to do, uh, again, in Matrix... Uh, everything's through Matrix with KDE. Go into the promo room, um, just uh, KDE promo mm-hmm. room, and just say, "Hey, I live in 
I live in this country, I would like to make a KDE network here. And one of the contractors, most likely Anika, will reach out to you and say, sounds great, um, and discuss getting that set up with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if anyone out there happens to be, you know, in, I don't know, pick a country, uh, 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 I'm blanking on... You're in Jamaica. There we go. There's there's a country. You're in Jamaica and you want to set up a, a KDE v, a, K, a KDE network. Um, go do that. Yes. And talking about that, mm, mm, mm. Um, this is sort of a bit more awkward because of how this has been sort of framed. Mm-hmm. But I was actually planning on inviting you to the um, Australian network. Mm. Hey, we're both... We're both in Australia. Um, if you want, I mean, you're already in the room now. Um, you're welcome to come along to any of our events um, and help out promoting KDE in Australia. I certainly uh, would give it a thought because I've, I've been saying that I'm probably going to try out uh, Plasma 6 when it drops. Um We'll we'll see about how we'll see how I feel about Plasma Six, and then we'll uh we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah, um, Plasma Six again. I I think you've even mentioned this mm-hmm. uh, in one of your recent videos, but it'll be a bit of a well, it could, it may end up being a little bit of a rocky start. Yeah, I that's it'll idea. get. Yeah, it'll it'll get very quickly ironed out just because of that huge influx of bug reports. We've yeah. already got a ton of them that are very very quickly being worked through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but of course there will be people with very weird configurations. Yeah, I know Nate's already done a um a blog post talking about how the second the alpha started, there was a giant uptick in bug reports, and that that just makes sense. You now that you have an actual build that is available for people to use. It's, you know, something that people can easily install in their system and people are going to try weird things. Like, there's going to be someone out there that has, like, you know, three Thunderbolt monitors. There's going to be someone out there using a Haswell CPU. There's going to be someone out there that's, like, using some weird screen reader that nobody even realizes exists. Like, all of those things are going to be out there and I I have no doubts the problems are going to be ironed out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've definitely been told that the first release is going to be, it's going to be rocky, but I don't expect it to be whatever KDE 4's first release was. Like everything I've heard. It shouldn't be anything like KDE 4. (laughs) Everything I've heard about it from all, all the devs that are just running it like daily right now, it's good. It just has, you know, a couple of things that need to be ironed out. Unlike 4, which... From my understanding, I think 4 was... It it was released initially as, like, a dev release, and people just assumed because it was KDE 4, that was considered the full release, and it, it just wasn't ready. Yeah, KDE 4 was marketed, at least internally, as a development release, but the actual version number was 4.0. Yeah. <laughs> which really shouldn't have been done. Um, but... It happened. Yeah, that's why that's you see... It's not happening again. Yeah, that's, that's why you see, like, GIMP doing, like, 
26 or whatever it's on right now. Eight, I think 18, maybe. Like, you always have it just before that that flip over, just so you have that room to say, yes, this is clearly a dev release. Do not run this unless you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, this is actually completely random, but mm. if anything, I like uh, what uh, Mojang slash Microsoft does with uh, Minecraft Java snapshots. Mm. Like, what is 23W04A? <laughs> it's very clearly a snapshot is what it is. Yeah, so... I'm sure least, internally they have, like, much a... much more obvious. Mm. I I'm sure there's, like, a meaning behind the... Uh, oh, each point. I, I don't know is. what it is, and it's completely off topic. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, having having some clear numbering system, some clear naming system to indicate this is a dev release uh, is really, really important. Yes, yeah. Does KD currently have some sort of numbering? I actually don't know how the um, dev releases are, uh, like, titled. Um, I think... Uh, actually, I'll double-check, but I'm pretty sure they're just beta 1... Beta okay. 2. That's fair enough. That works as well. Yeah. And then release candidate 1, release candidate 2. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that also works just fine. Like, any sort of indication is better than just 4.0 when it's not 4.0. 4.0, but don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, either way, um, it is very clear that everyone here has learnt from the KDE 4 experience. <laughs> Uh, so with KDE 6, I mean, you've seen how much the time frame has been extended to give mm -hmm. as much time as possible for yep. ironing out bugs. There's even going to be things like a string freeze um, to make sure everything gets localized properly and there isn't, like, um, some languages have localized, like, the old version of the string. Mm -hmm. It's been, like, changed. Like, what that button does has also been changed or something like that. Right. There's a lot of different things that are making sure that this release will be as stable as we can possibly get it for a point oh release. Right, because I expect with the translations, the the big translations, like you know, the Spanish translation, the Mandarin translation, like all of these, like all of these ones that have a big community around them, those will be fine. But when it's the smaller translations that maybe like, you know, a hundred people use in the world. Like, those I could easily see lagging behind pretty quickly. Yes, although if you actually have a look at any of our Git repos, mm -hmm. you'll actually see that almost every commit is from, um, well, the uh, GitLab name is ScriptKitty, mm -hmm. which is actually our localization um, bot mm -hmm. that just puts all the localization changes over from subversion into Git. Uh, I don't think I've seen that before. That's cool. So, oh. just looking at that, I'm yes. going to say that our localization, um, well, I guess our multiple localization teams are incredibly active, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. considering how much is being committed daily. Well, right now is, like, the time it... They, they they really need to be active. Like, this is the time where... Yes, this, this is, is the time. This yes. is crunch time, basically. <laughs> Um, even even ignoring that, though, if you look at um, even when it isn't crunch time, mm -hmm. there is always a lot of localization changes happening. Right, right. Um, if anything, you really need to actually filter out script kitty commits just because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I 
as I, I have no doubt that they do a lot of really good work, but, you know, there's always going to be things that get missed because they might not be, you know, the primary focus. And especially for those ones where there's, like, less yeah. people working on it. Because, you know, there's a lot of things to translate in KDE. So... There's a lot of strings mm -hmm. in every in every repo and every project. Mm -hmm. There is so many strings being thrown around in every direction. Mm -hmm. um, so much to translate into every language in the world. Yeah. Like, we've got... You know, we've, we've also got to do it to... Um, for the other language I couldn't pronounce before. We've got to do it for that language right, as well. Right. Like, there's so much mm -hmm. that has to go into so many different languages. Stuff is going to be missed, but we're going to get it as best it possibly can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Yeah, I, I wish the best of luck. I, I hope that comes along, that comes along really well. Um, I really hope as well. <laughs> Um, I'm not really a part of um, like the main development or mm. the um, translation parts of things, but yep. I've just sort of been watching at a distance going, ooh, hope this works. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking good. It stuff's, a, lot of, a lot of commits are being made, and a lot of those commits are changing a lot of things and making a lot of things better. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know, from, from that sort of perspective, it looks good. There's a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that stuff is the right stuff, but it is definitely happening. Well, as long as it's not um, the situation that happened with, uh, was it Gnome a couple of weeks back? Uh, to, where is it? Was it this one? Uh, the, um, or sort of, the, where someone just like, Put in some malicious translation into the project. I was it. Oh, it was oh, in the Ubuntu release. Yes, the Ubuntu release, where someone snuck something into one of the translations, and nobody noticed until it came out. Um, yes, I don't know what sort of review happens uh, to ensure that doesn't happen here, but I would imagine there would be some form of review process. Um, I know each team. Mm -hmm. uh, like, because each translation team, there's a one team for each language. Mm -hmm. Each team has a team leader, which can, um, which can just veto anything that comes in from any team member, mm -hmm. any translation team member. So there are there are processes, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know either. Um, it's it's always a concern though, but you would hope that most people are trying to be a good actor and are trying to, like, improve the project. Yes. But then you have and... things like the Blender DDoS. So some people are just, like, you know, some people are just assholes. Like, this is how it is. There will, there will always be those people. I don't know why someone DDoS Blender. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what, 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 are is you... the, what is the plan? What are you trying to achieve? My favorite theory, <laughs> my favorite theory is that Cloudflare DDoS them to get them to buy Cloudflare. That would be very good. I mean, it wouldn't, but that would be... That's, like, that's like top tier. That's great. Um, um, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, 
the hope is that everybody is being, you know, is trying to improve this and make it all better. But even, like, something like the Lynx kernel, for example, there have been people that have tried to sneak things into the code base before. So I have no doubts that it happens on a project like KDE, and hopefully the people involved are paying attention and just reviewing what's coming in. Um, and it sounds like, at least in most situations, that happens, but... Sometimes you may be caught sleeping and let something through that probably shouldn't be let through. Yeah, it does happen, but if that does happen, there are very strict processes that come into place to make sure that that person does not uh, does not help anymore because mm -hmm. they are not helping. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, there is a pretty strong... Actually, there's quite a... A difficult process. I mean, it's not difficult as in if you're doing the right thing, it's not very hard for you, but um, there is quite a process for getting a proper KDE developer account. You can, of course, contribute without one, mm -hmm. uh, but to actually get that developer status on your account, there is a there is quite a process because that does have it does have some power behind it. So I, there I are should... checks in place. I've never looked into that myself. What if you happen to, like, know part of the process off the top of your head. Uh, okay, so but mostly it is just contribute normally for mm -hmm. the start, which is you do not have any commit rights to any repositories at all except for the ones in your own thing. You cannot merge anything. You're basically just a GitLab user on any other uh, open source project. Right. Um, so you just have to... Do a handful of commits onto a bunch of a couple of different repositories until you have a like you have you have a bit of time behind you you have some commits behind you uh, and you have a ssh key mm -hmm. uh, as in you've just generated your own ssh private key um which is one of the requirements all you do you open a ticket with um sysadmin sysadmin will review it they'll look at your commits they'll look at what you've done they will double check everything uh they'll see if you've upset anyone in the community i'm not actually sure the full list of what they check but they do a lot of checks and take a while for them to process these mm -hmm. because they come with an amount of power and they will have the final yes or no right. you also require someone else who is already a developer to sponsor your application mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, it's similar so, with, um, I've looked at the process to become like an arch maintainer before. It sounds fairly similar where you need to have been involved, you know, going through bug reports, things like that. And then somebody else involved with it is like, hey, this person's a good member of the community. Let's bring them on. Yeah, a similar process, except here you are contributing in the same way that anyone else would be. Mm -hmm. uh, and even when you do get that full developer right, um... You don't just start just committing to random projects directly. Right. Um, that's just not good practice or really good at all. Mm -hmm. You should still be opening merge requests for almost everything you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does give you the ability to, for example, um, if, you're, if you end up being the maintainer of a project, first mm -hmm. thing, you actually can be a maintainer of that project. Mm -hmm. You can close um you can close issues you can accept merge requests things like that mm -hmm. um 
yeah, there's quite a few things that actually require a developer account for the for it to be a thing. Like for example, I'm not a I'm not strictly a developer, but I do have a developer account just because I need it for a couple of different things I do around KDE. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's simple enough. So when did you first like start getting involved with Linux and then get involved with KDE? Were you using KDE from the start or was that something you started doing later? I actually started, well, actually pretty much like most people started uh, with GNOME. Um, that was many years ago now. Uh, I was uh, dual booting uh, Windows and Ubuntu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first sort of experience with Linux. I can't actually remember what year that was, um, but that was uh, quite a few years ago now. Was it before or after Unity, if you remember? Before or after Unity? Oh, I actually cannot remember. Um, Ubuntu Unity. I first release was... 2004, it would have been before Unity. If it says here was first release was 2004. Uh, yeah. That's the first release of... Well, Unity... Oh, wait, that's a different distro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's okay. when like the remix came out. Okay. Um, switches to Unity. Um, Unity was removed in 2017. It probably would have been a, during Unity. Okay, okay. Um, maybe during, maybe slightly after. Um, mm-hmm. Either way, it was sort of vaguely at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried it a bit then, uh, used it as like um, as a second operating system, not my primary, not my daily driver, just sort of experimenting with things here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I stopped using Linux for a while and just completely dropped out of it um, for a couple of years. Then about the same time, actually, yeah, pretty much about the same time as uh, Linus started doing their uh, Gaming on Linux challenge, mm. just a little bit before that, actually, was when I was starting to experiment with Linux again. Mm. So I was, I was starting to experiment. I installed Arch on a second petition. <laughs> and then, yes, I, I, I went with Arch, I know. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm on Arch still. It's fine. Yeah. I installed Arch on a second petition. Um, and then as I was starting to experiment with that a bit, and I'm like, uh, not all my stuff's quite working yet. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, when I was using Arch, I actually chose, uh, KDE when I was using Arch. That's mm-hmm. my first time using KDE there. Um, and then, uh, probably a couple of months after, Linus announced their, um, gaming on Linux challenge. Mm-hmm. And... I was looking at that going, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In- interesting uh, decisions made there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I did videos on that entire series. Yes. There, there were, you know, Luke knew what he was doing. <laughs> Luke knew what he was doing. Even then, still had NVIDIA troubles because, you know, NVIDIA. Yes. Um... NVIDIA is very unique mm. on Linux. I can say that as someone who is currently running two NVIDIA GPUs of different generations. What do you happen to have? 
2060 and a 1050 Ti. Why do you have a... I'm sorry, why is the 1050 Ti there? Um, so the 1050 Ti is because I have an extra slot and uh-huh. I need it. Um, the other thing is, uh, is the newest uh, NVIDIA GPU, that uh-huh. also one I happen to have, actually probably the newest, but it's one of the NVIDIA GPUs that works uh, with macOS. So I can actually emulate macOS and have GPU acceleration. Oh. Also, if I need to run OBS, I can offload OBS to my other <laughs> GPU. Mm-mm. <clears throat> so it doesn't bog down anything. That is a good... Actually, you make a fair point there. Okay. Um, it doesn't help that much, but it does help a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but it does mean that I cannot run the um, partially open-source NVIDIA drivers. <laughs> because one GPU supports it and the other one doesn't. There's some work being done there. Um, but... Yeah, it the Novo stuff is it's coming along. It's going to be a while oh. before it's actually usable. Yeah, yeah, Novo stuff. Yeah, that's definitely coming along as well. Um, I'm actually surprised that that project has come as far as it has so far. That's how I also feel about Asahi Linux. I I when I saw it initially, I was like, I, I saw the people involved. Like, yeah, you all have great experience but there's no way that this is going to be possible surely not and now we have linux just mostly working fine on apple silicon like okay sure yeah you might have to recompile everything but but it's just gen 2 then isn't it (laughs) uh it's it's uh we it's a fedora i think it's a fedora based now it's fedora based yeah they've switched it to fedora based yeah Um, yeah I wonder if they're recompiling all of the Fedora repos now. Um, uh-uh. I'm not sure that what's being done on the back end. Because I don't have Apple Silicon myself. Well, um, I guess I'll find out when someone I know ends up with Apple Silicon. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> why did you start wanting to use Linux in the first place? Because you mentioned that you, you'd been using it you used it for a while, um, I a while used back. it on and off. Yeah. Um, I switched to Linux uh, because uh, I'm not sure why I originally tried it. I mm. actually do not remember. Um, but these days I have decided to switch. Um, oops, sorry, my computer's trying to lock itself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot to turn that off. Uh, these days I'm using it just because it. some parts of it actually just work better for my workflow mm-hmm. um it allows me to do a couple of things that i can't really do on windows that easily mm-hmm. but mostly because windows is starting to do some things that are really annoying me mm-hmm. uh for example windows 10 i was like oh cool that's that's nice you know new interface new everything then i clicked on something in the start menu when it started downloading it and installing it <laughs> like I was trying to click on this, try and work out what this program is, and you just installed it. Mm-hmm. No, no prop ups, no asking, no prompts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, uh, there's also uh, they're experimenting with ads in um, File Explorer again. <laughs> exactly where I want ads. Yeah, um, I've seen I've seen 
two two separate occasions of this happening. There's um one more recent. Um, it was actually on um a platform previously known as Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was like, "Hey, they're doing it again," and it was um they were in their documents folder and it was advertising, "Hey, you should be using OneDrive so it stays synced with all your other devices as like a side like a side panel." Right, right, right. So it's it's just the little things like that that are really starting to annoy me. And, of course, other things like development. Um, if I need to compile something, I can actually do it on Linux and it sort of works and I don't need Visual Studio to take up 20 gigabytes on my hard drive. <laughs> Only to realize it's the wrong version of Visual Studio. Now I need five different versions of Visual Studio, one version for each piece of software I need to compile. <laughs> yep, yep. And... At one and at one point I was messing around. I never actually got anywhere with it, but with um, uh, making like a Nintendo homebrew software. Mm, mm. Um, but it turns out if you want to do that, uh, the main project you would use is um, uh, DevKit Pro. Mm-hmm. Issue is, DevKit Pro only runs on Linux, really. Like it's heavily integrated with all the Linux binaries. Yep, yep. But they have a Windows build. It uses MSYS2. I'm unsure if you've heard of that. MSYS2. It's ringing a bell. MSYS2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've used this before. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thing is, MSYS2, um, it is incredibly cursed. <laughs> there is something incredibly wrong about opening a Windows command prompt, then opening Bash and running Pac-Man. Oh, it's a modified version of Sigwin. Oh, that does sound cursed. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, there's it. It just feels wrong using it. Mm-hmm. And I have made some incredibly cursed images by combining like the Windows version of Dolphin with some like MSYS two stuff happening. <laughs> I had I actually uh, posted an image to Reddit where I. Uh, like had like Pac-Man updating something and I had like the Windows version of Dolphin open and someone said that I needed a better or a better Windows theme. <laughs> okay, you, you should you should try and improve that. Once you get a better Windows theme, you should try calling some scammers. Oh, this is Windows. God. <laughs> I opened Dolphin. Redditors. Oh, um, because Dolphin does have unofficial Windows builds. Why? I don't know. I think they were experimenting with it at some point and then just never turned off the builder for it. Dolphin File Explorer for Windows. It's... It is on... It is okay on Windows. What? Well, I guess it makes Um, sense. It is... It is cute, so... It can run. It's built in a way that it does run on Windows. It's uh. not. You don't expect support <laughs> if you actually use that, but we do compile it for Windows. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, that um, I'm guessing you're on the Jenkins uh, binary factory at the moment. No, what? Oh, I mean, oh, sorry. I'm actually not sure what website you're on. I'll, I was just assuming you're on uh, binary factory. Which is our Jenkins in- instance. Oh, no, I was just, I just found some Reddit posts mentioning it. <clears throat> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it is a thing. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, so yeah, the reason I um, switched over to Linux because I had all these things. I was essentially using Linux on Windows anyway. Right, right. I tested out Linux a couple more times. Um, and one day, uh, one of my friends actually, uh, who's also into this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. um, managed to completely move. They were over for a couple of months. I was still hopping in and out, in and out, trying my best to move, but some things just didn't work uh, that I really needed to use at that time. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get it working. Um, most of that's been cleared up now, and now I am dual booting, but I primarily use Linux and only really ever boot over to Windows for uh, virtual reality stuff. Right, right. Because I have a Windows mixed reality headset. There oh. is work. Yes, there yep, is work okay. to get that running on Linux. Mm -hmm. It's not ready yet. Because I was going to say, like, VR stuff works just fine on KDE, but I don't know about that specifically. Yes, uh, if you're doing that, though, you should be using Xorg. Yeah, I, I know there is support for the headsets on the Wayland version because KDE actually supports DRM leasing, unlike GNOME, which I, that's, I need to do a video on that at some point. Um... I love you. Did... Nvidia doesn't on Wayland. Oh, Nvidia is a problem as well. I didn't think about that part. Yeah, okay. Because the support is there and it will work with like AMD and Intel stuff. I didn't consider the Nvidia stuff. Yes, so it's it's almost there. Um, it's getting close now. Now we just need Nvidia to fix their drivers, and then. Um, the project that's working on, oh, I've forgotten their name, the project that's working on getting uh, all the VR stuff working on Linux, which they're progressing very well, actually, um, to finish up and get their driver fixed. Um, and then I will actually be able to basically uninstall Windows and fully transition, but... Wow. That's that's exciting. That's pretty much that's pretty much the only thing I'm waiting on now. Like mm. a couple of weird obscure stuff, but like uh, obscure games and things like that. But mm -hmm. stuff like that, I can easily just open up a virtual machine for if I needed to. Yeah. Like that's not something I need a dual boot for. Like these old games and protons moving quickly enough, it'll be fixed in no time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so impressed with what's happened with Proton because I've. I've been gaming on Linux since 2020 or so. Um, even since then, it's gotten better. But just the fact that Proton exists. Obviously, Wine was around, and you could always configure Wine to get a lot of games to work. But there's a lot of additional things Proton adds, and it just makes it really, really streamlined. Nowadays, I just grab a game. Like, I'm playing through the Yakuza series right now. I just boot it and it just works like i don't there might be like a couple of minor tweaks to do but for the most part it just works and that that's not something that could have been said a couple of years back definitely not and it's yeah everything on the linux desktop at the moment is progressing so quickly mm -hmm. uh we have moved from you want a game good luck <laughs> you want to run any piece of software Good luck. <laughs> uh, to we have modern versions of Wine that can run a lot of things now. 
-hmm. we have native support for a lot more applications. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff's being, if stuff isn't packaged from your distro, well, that's fine. We have Flatpak now. Well, if, if you don't have a Flatpak, there's also DistroBox, which is just a there's simple way to set up containers. Yeah, and if you even if you can't get it through Flatpak, there's also DistroBox. There's there's so many ways that you can make sure that everything you have is there, and even the even the primarily Linux applications are being upgraded mm -hmm. and updated, and more and more contributors are joining, and all of this it's bringing the desktop into a much much more useful state mm -hmm. in an ever increasing pace. Mm, absolutely, and Again, that's why we need to go back to this topic that was from ages ago now. Um, that's why we need this KDE network mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to increase awareness, both to get more contributors and to get more users. Mm -hmm. Without users, you don't get bugs. And without, I mean, you don't, and without users, you don't know about bugs. <laughs> you don't get bug reports. <laughs> you don't get bug reports. Yeah, that's much better. Um, <laughs> You don't get bug reports, and without bug reports, you can't really fix them. Mm -hmm. So for our software to be the best it can be, we need people to actually use it. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been involved in the Australian KDE network? Um, since its inception. Mm -hmm. Which um, was when? Which was when? Um, that would have been... Oh... That would probably be in the very beginning of this year. Okay, so it is really, really new then. Okay. Yeah. If I actually just scroll up, there isn't very much in that channel. I should be able to very quickly find. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot. Neko doesn't let me. Um, it is a scroll bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I scrolled up and yeah. I think it's like, it's somewhere around the start of this year. Yeah, I think it was about the start of this year that I, um, that the was created mm -hmm. you can see um, if you scroll up far enough you'll see where i made the profile picture for the room which was very jank yeah first of december 2022 is oh, when so the late, room okay, was made late last year then yeah very late last year mm -hmm. i'm actually known with all pretty much this time last year it's about a year old mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's almost december how did that happen yeah i don't know <laughs> i can't answer that <laughs> one for you so, so mm. oh, no, sorry, you go, said no, go on, go on, it's fine. Oh, no, I didn't really have it. I wasn't really going anywhere with that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, um, what made you want to get involved with it? Well, um, I wanted to contribute to KDE somehow, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know where I would fit because I'm not a, I'm not a C++ developer. Do you have any I'm development a, experience? I have development experience and none of it is in C++ and honestly, I'd not know if I want to learn C++. Uh, don't. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to tell you. That is what I have been told. So to be able to contribute to KDE with code, which is what most people think of when they hear contributing to KDE. Yeah, yeah. To be able to actually contribute with code, I would have to know C++ mm -hmm. and I don't particularly want to learn C++. I'm happy enough with Python which is not suitable to make a desktop environment with, but um, I'm happy enough with, you know, doing whatever scripty stuff I do in Python. Mm -hmm. So I thought, where else can I help? Mm -hmm. And I was basically just asking around and I've picked up all these weird sort of odd jobs as I've went. Mm -hmm. uh, at the moment, I'm a 
doing some minor uh, merge request triaging every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so some minor mer- merge request triaging, just saying, hey, this issue's old. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not this issue. This merge request hasn't been touched in three years and it cannot be merged. Mm-hmm. Does anyone actually still want to work on this at all? Right. Um, and over time, I eventually found, hey, KDE Network, hey, there's this KDE Network thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, what can I do for a promo? You could, where are you from? Australia. Hey, we don't know anyone in Australia. Do you want to start KDE Network Australia? Mm-hmm. So that's how that happened. Um, the network has been created. Um, but nothing's really happened yet. There's been discussions. Um, plans have sort of been put in place for when we will have an event. Nothing specific there, but other than that, I've also moved out and there are a lot of different ways you can contribute to KDE that mm-hmm. does not involve programming at all. Absolutely. We already talked about and one of them there. being translation. Yeah, translation. Um, you can join the KDE network, you, which significantly helps. I mean, that All-American High School Film Festival and what happened in India are both mm-hmm. very, very uh, significant events. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could work with prom- promo in that way. You could also work with uh, non-region specific promo, just promoting KDE, helping, um, you know, helping write uh, Twitter posts, Reddit posts, stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. There's all, always good to have a second pair of eyes reading over material before we send it out. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's also, you could join any of the, you'd have to, if you, you have to get experience in other places before this, but you could also join any of the uh, working groups. For example, I'm in the community working group. There's also the fundraising work, working group. If you're good at um, helping people coming up ideas with fundraising, there's sysadmin, there's all of these different ways that you can all help. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. even to the to really obscure stuff, like I respond to the KDE Connect iOS reviews. For what? Okay, sure. <laughs> Right? There's all these really odd things that no one would ever think of mm-hmm. that are still things that need to be done. Yeah. There are so many random things. Just because you can't code doesn't mean you can't contribute. Absolutely. Obviously, there's also, you know, just donating if that's something you can do. But You can also, yeah, there's also ways to donate and all of that's on our website. Obviously, there's a lot of people that just don't have the resources to do that. But even if you don't have the resources, you know, just documentation stuff also is is good to do. Join on our Wiki Wednesdays, mm-hmm. um, which are also talking about networks. They are all in time zones that are not very friendly for Australians. But <laughs> yeah. uh, join our Wiki Wednesdays. Um, go through and clean up ancient wiki pages that are doing nothing but misleading people because they're ancient. No one's updated yep. them in such a long time. Um, go and help out and fix the community wiki, the user base wiki, the other wiki I forgot the name of. Mm-hmm. We have three wikis. Um, uh, what are they? We have, yeah, user base, tech base, and community. Okay. Well, there's even things outside of the project directly. Like, you can get involved with packaging on whatever distro you're using if you happen to be you know an arch user you can get involved with doing kd stuff on the arch wiki like all of this stuff even though it's not directly involved with the project is also going to help out as well 
yes, there's there's so many things in so many places. Everything is done. Well, not everything, everything, but almost everything's done by volunteers. Mm-hmm. So everyone is happy to have someone new come in and help out as much as they can. Well, there's my personal favorite that I'm really good at with games, which is breaking everything and finding bugs. <laughs> that is also a very valid thing you can do. Um, and we do desperately need bug reports. So if you would like to be a part of that, again, all of the information on how to contribute mm-hmm. is on, I'm going to see if I can grab the, that is the wrong page. There is a wiki page that actually goes through mm-hmm. and lists all of the best ways that you can uh, yep. where in the world is it i've <laughs> lost it i've completely lost the um how to contribute page um get involved here we go mm. there is this page that will yep. explain look here's how do you here's how you contribute you can mm. donate you can report issues you can help directly with development Bug triaging, quality assurance, accessibility. You can, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen with accessibility. Mm. Um, it's very important mm. there. Uh, management, which is, okay, that's just, I don't know why it's labeled management. It's actually the gardening team, but there's the gardening team there, which is, they, we need people in the gardening team. Um, translation. It's called gardening. That's probably why it's labeled that because there's no actual gardens. Um, uh, translation, um, human interface design, web design, documentation, <clears throat> user support. Just hang out in the main KDE chat on Matrix and just help people out. Yep, yep, yep. Um, promotion and KDE eco. I think promotion is one that people don't really pay that much attention to like oh i will occasionally get people being like oh brody you don't you don't do anything helping out like i, I do a lot of videos on wayland and people are like oh that's that's not useful you're not writing code like do you know like like i'm the only person here that is sitting here actually letting people know that some of these issues are being worked on like occasionally you'll see a phoronics article but there's a lot of things where it's just like skipped over that people just have no idea or even like a thing like the um the one thing i talked about recently like the the multi-window app issue with wayland where there's no way for windows to place themselves like knowing that exists gives people the ability to actually you know go and work on it if they want to go and do so so promotion i feel is it's one of those things that is really undervalued because it's not something that is you know directly there's no direct impact that you can link to it like you can with, you know, writing code or uh, writing documentation. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most important things we can do because without users, you aren't really a software project. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you are, but not really a notable one. Sure. Um, and yeah, there's so much that happens in every single one of these. Promotion's incredibly supported, mm-hmm. important. Support is incredibly important. You need documentation. Mm-hmm. We need all of these things to be done. At the moment, we are, you know, we are getting along just fine, but the more, more hands on deck we have, the mm-hmm. better it is for everyone. And, for example, actually, um, the promo team pretty much always watches your videos, Brody. 
um, partially my fault because I spend <laughs> probably most of them into the um, into the promo chat, mm, but mm. you always bring up something that, hey, look, Brody's mentioned something in this video. We should go work on that. I do so, have one that uh, might actually lead to some interesting discussion because I, I, I'm going to test out just using um, like the Steam Deck interface, like the, the, the parts of the device that are just directly connected to it to mess around with KDE and just see how useful, like, usable it actually is with just those touchpads and just the touchscreen. So maybe there'll, <clears throat> maybe there'll be something interesting that comes out of that as well. I'm not entirely sure just yet because I haven't uh, gone and done so. Um, that would actually be interesting. And again, that would be something that that video, your experience with that would be handed all around the uh, interface designers and all of that. Like people, people do in KDE watch your videos. Mm. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. I, I always, it's always weird to me that I, when I find out that someone that I already knew about is like, oh yeah, I've watched your content. Like what would you, what do you mean? <laughs> Like when I yeah. um when I, I th uh a good example of this um I know that uh um Joshua Strobel the budgie guy before I'd ever spoken to him I knew that he he would occasionally show up in my comment section and just meant like correct like some little thing about budgie or mention some little thing that I didn't I didn't mention like oh that's cool like I, the the space is a really small space but that it. it I think like I don't how would I say it? it's it's a small space, but there is a lot of different people in it, and there is a lot more a lot more collaboration than people might realize. Just looking at it from the outside, or looking at it at like a, a surface level. Yeah, and I think the one of the biggest things that sort of shows that is the fact that. KDE and GNOME, mm -hmm. while we are separate projects, we aren't really directly competing with each other. Mm -hmm. We're both aiming for the exact same thing. We just have different products to show for it. Mm -hmm. There will certainly be instances in certain repos where developers might butt heads. Like A good example of this is the Whale and Protocols repo. Because even though you're both trying to make a desktop and both trying to make a great, like, you know, these, these different experiences, there are things that do, do affect both systems and both projects might have different ideas about where they want to take it. And when it's something that's supposed to be this cross desktop solution, you know, that that's when you are going to see some of that, that like budding heads trying to work out how do we actually do this in a way that we both benefit from? Yeah. There are, there of course will be times where people don't agree on stuff, but mm. uh, with KDE, we actually do have um, a separate group mm -hmm. that can come in if a dispute gets too heated or if someone isn't playing nice to try and settle that and make that not a thing because we want this to be as inviting for anyone, mm -hmm. um, anyone to easily come in and people, because everyone's volunteers, we can't mm -hmm. have people being frustrated with, with the way things are being done. That's mm -hmm. just not right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. Hmm. Trying to maintain a community that people want to get involved with, I'm sure is is difficult at the scale of something like KDE. 
Um, yes, it is. It very much is. I'm on that team. <laughs> <laughs> it does help, though, that one of the things that is an issue with these like cross desktop uh, repos is you have these all of these projects that have these different goals, but at least with KDE, you all agree on like the fundamentals. There's nobody arguing that, you know, the cute framework shouldn't be used, for example. Like there are these core things that are a part of KDE that everybody just agrees on. It's just more of the specific implementation details and how we want to go about addressing these problems. And I'm sure when it comes to like the UI design stuff, there is a lot of heated discussions about exactly where a button should be placed, how that button should be styled and, uh, styled and things like that. Yes, there would be... Pretty much everywhere you go, there's going to be people disagreeing. Mm -hmm. uh, usually in KDE, um, it's, not, it's not too heated. It's not too much of... Um, it doesn't spiral out of control. Right, right. Um, uh, sometimes it does. Like, it happens. Mm -hmm. But... At least it doesn't seem to be, uh, it doesn't seem to go as bad as some of those cross repo things again, because we have those things that everyone agrees with. Mm -hmm. uh, cross project repos, I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it it's just dealing with people is just a challenge, no matter what the situation is, and being able to put your own your own goals aside and at least listen to what someone else is saying, I think is, it's an important skill for everyone. It is incredibly important. And yeah, a lot of people, or pretty much everyone really in KDE has that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're trying to, we're trying our best to make that everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't provide specifics, but... <laughs> no, that, that's understandable. That's understandable. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Where can we go from here? Um, hmm. I actually don't know. <laughs> um, actually, go on. Oh. I said, um, then my computer locked, <laughs> and then I forgot what I was going to say. Ah. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn that off. Wait, okay. Where's the switch? Where's the battery manually locks? There you go. No more, no more screen locking. So what I was going to say, um, obviously the first year of you being in the Australian KD network, it, it's understandable that there isn't going to be that much that gets done because everyone's sort of trying to work out, like, what can we do? Where's a good place to go? Because I, I scrolled through that... Um, the, the chat log, and I noticed that you were like, I, I didn't even realize that, I think it was Linux Conf existed. Um, so that first year, everyone's kind of just trying to get used to it and work out, like, what even can we do? But going into 2024, obviously you can't make any promises about, you know, exactly what is going to happen, but what would you like to get done? Uh, or at least try to get done. Specifically for KDE Network Australia, uh, we want to at least turn up to our first event would be a good start. <laughs> um, 
we want to yeah turn up to an event uh, and at least get that done see if we can promote see how it goes mm-hmm. uh and mainly just test the waters mm-hmm. is one of the first things we want to do is um in 2024 mm-hmm. test the waters work out okay is is this particular event something we want to go to yeah yep. uh, and also getting the promotion materials made primarily mm-hmm. because I do not currently own a KDE promo tablecloth. I do right. not own a KDE promo banner. Um, once we've got those sorted, we can just bring those across to as many events as uh, we go to. Mm-hmm. But that's not currently a thing that we have. Mm-hmm. So getting getting those basic materials and going to event and going to that first event is our primary goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and just showing off, seeing what seeing if this event is someone that already knows about us mm-hmm. or even um, something I've sort of thrown around. Why don't we go to something that isn't specifically open source related? Mm-hmm. What if we go to something that is like techie? So there'd be people who would potentially be interested in our software, even if they're using Windows, because a lot of our software exists on Windows. Mm-hmm. Like Critter and Caden Live, again, those are the two big ones I can think of. Oh, and Ocula is actually really nice on Windows as well. So those main three apps, mm-hmm. just sort of demonstrating those on both on both Windows and Linux and mm-hmm. Mac OS, but I'm not bringing my Mac out to an event. That is, that thing is heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, showing showing how look we make software for everything. This is entirely KDE. This is Windows with a couple of KDE apps. Mm-hmm. Um, even things that aren't specifically open source related, because while we can show ourselves off in the open source bubble, and there will be things that people didn't know about, mm-hmm. bursting that bubble and advertising outside of that is one of the best things that we can do. Yeah. For example, how much did we get done at Scale 19 versus the uh, film festival? Mm-hmm. Um, the film festival... Uh, got a, had a much more positive impact mm-hmm. than Scale 19X. Yeah. Uh, Scale 19X was still, like, it's still a very good event that we definitely was worth going to. Absolutely, yeah. But the film festival had a much more positive impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, if you're just talking to people that, you know, already use Linux and maybe some of them already use KDE, like, it, it's great to be there. It's great to have some representation there, but... You don't like it's sort of the problem that the FSF has had for a long time. Where you don't need to advertise free software to the people that are using free software. Like they know it's good already. Like you, you there's not a ton that you can really achieve there. Yes. Um. And again, because we're we're promoting free software via KDE, we aren't really you know advertising KDE versus GNOME or anything like that. That's yeah. not our goal. Um. So yeah, we've we've tossed around ideas of uh, different events that we can go to. Um, you know, team up with an artist and um, go to some convention where there'll be a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tossed around the idea of going to a furcon, like a furry convention. Mm-hmm. Um, teaming up with a critter artist, um, sharing a sharing a booth with them and saying, look, 
we have an artist here. They they do critter. Uh, we are the people that make critter. Mm-hmm. Critter's free. Use it. It's good. <laughs> That's not actually the pitch, but you, you get what I... Yeah, you know, you get I get what, what you're saying. I'd have something much better if I actually went ahead and did that. Um, well, Crit, I think, is a really good example there because I, I, I've i watched some streams from artists and like people will talk about Critter as just a good tool. They'll be like, oh, I use uh, Clip, uh, Clip Studio Paint. I use Critter. And it's just like as a part of just the list of things they use, they just don't think about the people behind it. So that, I think, is a really easy, a really easy entry point that Ori has some um, some public recognition. It's just the people behind it don't really have that same recognition. Yes. Um, it's sort of advertising, we make Critter, look mm. at what else we make, yeah. Um, yeah. is definitely something we can do. Mm-hmm. And that would also be part of... Um, the pitch that we would do there if we went ahead and went to a Furcon or if we went to anything else where there'd be a, a large amount of artists or mm. yeah there's again there's lots of lots of different places we can go with lots of different things that can be done mm-hmm. um at the moment we've just got to decide where to go and what we should be primarily promoting there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm sure that's sort of the uh the tough part as well just working out exactly how to do the uh whatever demos and presentations are going to be done because i i'm assuming none of the people involved have any experience doing that um yeah i uh, i don't have a lot of experience directly doing that mm-hmm. uh, i have done like little fundraisers in like before like um i uh, did a fundraiser for my robotics team uh recently uh, when we had to go over to the US mm-hmm. when we were not expecting to have to do that. Um, <laughs> we went to an event. They were like, oh, yeah, congratulations. You've won. Uh, you can go to the US now. It's, it's in a month, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I have experience doing doing that sort of thing. But uh-huh. going to a convention... Mm-hmm. to and being behind a booth instead of the other way around mm. would be very different and not very many people have experience with that mm-hmm. so i mean it's something i'm sure i can sort of pick up as i go along mm. but it is it's definitely going to be new for me but new skills are new skill there's again i'm gaining out of this as well i'm you know, getting up my public speaking, um, yeah. And I'm sure that first time doing it is going to be a really big learning experience for that'll really help out with the second time. Because, you know, the, the first time, you might have a plan in mind, but when you put that into practice, it doesn't really play out the way you think it does. So doing that, and then the second time, you're like, okay, here's what worked, here's what didn't work, Let's do it this let's 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 try it out in another way and just see if this actually clicks. And then maybe there's also sort of a different way of doing it that works better at certain events. Like if you're doing a very a very techie event, you can present things in one way, whereas if you're doing something like that film festival, 
there might be a whole different way you'd want to present it. Like with the uh, some sort of techie event, there's a lot of things you can assume the people there probably know. Like you don't really need to explain the concept of what open source is to a general tech conference. Most people probably have an understanding, but if you're dealing with a film festival, maybe no one there has any idea. Yes. Um, although explaining what exactly open source is to a to that sort of degree isn't exactly the most important thing. Well, I yeah, think maybe it's, that, it's free. But, but it's free, mm -hmm. yeah, is but the most important. What I was going to get at there is maybe you realise that you don't need to explain it. Like, you do that once, and then you're like, oh, that's actually not that important. It's, you know, as you said, it's it being free that's a lot more important to it. Yeah. If they if they stick around for a bit, because again, you only have so long before the person gets bored and walks over to some other booth. Yeah, yeah. The most important thing is, we make this editing software. It's free. Here's a laptop that has it on, has it installed. Look at what you can do. It's good. Um, give them a a sticker or something. Um, I think that's what the film festival did. They were giving out stickers to anyone who uh, popped over to the booth. That is a good way to do it. Stick. Everyone loves stickers. They don't know what they're going to do with them, but they'll just take a sticker. That is that is me. I do that. I I'll, I will always take a sticker if there is one on a table. I'm a business card person. I will. If you have a business card, I will take your business card. I will also take business cards. I have a pile of business cards from the last uh, convention I went to. Yeah, I feel like this is a, a habit I picked up from my dad because. When I was a kid, he had, like, a giant... It's basically, like, you know, a giant folder with nothing but business cards in it. He would never use any of them. He just had them. I have business cards for Twitch streamers. <laughs> I'm sure that's super useful. Uh, and the only information it has on it mm. is their Twitch. And, like, their name. Yeah. Look, here's my name, here's my VTuber avatar, here's my Twitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I still have it. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see what ends up happening uh, through the year then. Um, do you have any ideas about trying something, like, outside of... Obviously, I, I know there's been talk about, like, LinuxConf and um, everything open. Has there been any talk about trying out something like a film festival or something just outside of that tech space, or not really yet? Um, there has been a short discussion that I mostly proposed as, I wonder if, I, I wonder if uh, Promo will be okay with this idea at all. Um, when I suggested, hey, we should... Maybe we could turn up at a Furcon, right, like right. a furry convention. That's the main one that I've sort of brought up because a lot of, not all, but mm -hmm. a lot of people in that furry community are very tech-centric. Mm -hmm. um, so they will have a bit of an understanding of that sort of stuff, but might not be fully in that community in the same way. Right, right. So it is, I think, and also the art, there's a huge art culture, so... Mm -hmm. We could advertise things, we could advertise Twitter, or we could advertise things via Twitter, depending on if the person knows about it or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different things we can do there. We haven't really discussed anything other than that, because 
discussing conventions that we could go to instead of conventions that we will go to mm-hmm. um one's significantly more productive than the other so we've just decided to right. let's wait until everyone's actually ready to go to a convention first mm. yeah no that that's understandable because everyone's been busy and for example i'm actually located in a particularly remote part of uh, new south wales so i can't easily travel to a convention right right okay. um if i wanted to do something up in sydney which would probably be where it is mm-hmm. that's five hours drive oh you are really really <laughs> rude <laughs> i didn't so <laughs> yeah like while i could say kda ev please pay for my fuel and they'll probably pay for 80 percent of it it's normally yeah. what they would do in that case first thing no i don't want to travel five hours to to do some uh to go to a convention where i'm advertising kde and then go five hours home again i think a lot of people just don't realize how big australia is as well like it it, because like most people live along the coastline and when you just consider that like it's not that big of a deal but even for me, right, like, I I live in the, like, northern Adelaide suburbs. Even for me, it's, like, maybe, like, half an hour to drive into the city. If I wanted to go out, I've got family members out in places like Clare. It's, like, a two-hour drive to get to them. And that's only, like, a, uh, what, let's say, a twentieth of the way to the border? <laughs> like, if you're going north? <laughs> yeah. It is... A huge country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're... Yeah, it's, um... Just the size makes things difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, hey, we can... It is a lot easier to be five hours away from a place Mm -hmm. than it is to be, you know, flying from Europe, which is mostly what this project tries to uh, prevent... Let's... We do not need to pay for plane tickets to send the promo contractors out to every single country on the planet. Mm-hmm. I do not think people who donate to KDE would even want that anyway. That's terrible. Just <laughs> just for context, if I wanted to go to Frankfurt, um, just the first one that shows up, $3,000. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. That yep. is Australian dollars, though. Yes, yes. So, yeah, Monopoly money. Um, <laughs> but even so, it's a lot of money. It is still a lot of money, even when you translate that to US or mm-hmm. Euros. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a lot of... It's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be nice to be able to build up more of a an ecosystem for this stuff in Australia. Because, as we mentioned, there is things like um, LinuxConf. There is everything open. We have, like, PyConf Australia as well. Um, but there's not that many strictly, like, open source things and Linux things in Australia. And if there is a way to promote the, like, extended use of the software, maybe over time you start seeing more of these events cropping up in more states. Yes, um, we are very willing to try and grow this, um grow all of them, all of the KDE networks as much as we can, mm-hmm. and 
especially get more networks in place as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, if I just now this isn't always the most up to date, mm -hmm. but if I just click on um, just one of the pages of the KDE network, um, this country has one member. Mm -hmm. Members of the group, this person, and we would like more members to join the team. Uh, okay. I can tell. <laughs> um, uh, we've got Mexico. Mexico has one person as well. Again, according mm -hmm. to the wiki page, there might have been people who joined in the Matrix but never added themselves to the wiki. That does happen right. occasionally. Uh, Mexico, yep. Mm -hmm. And we'd like more members to join, <laughs> for sure. I'm sure you do. Um, so, again, if you are from any of these places, please, please reach out. Mm -hmm. uh join the join the channel um the matrix channels are all in all in these wiki pages mm -hmm. yeah hopefully after this at least some more people happen to know about it because as i said at the start and i've said a couple of times i did not have any idea this existed because let me see i'm i'm just for anyone who's who's curious who hasn't tried it yet if we search for the KDE network, not the KDE network community, just the KDE network on Google, which is, you know, a good search engine. You probably are not going to find it. So unless you know that this exists, actually getting involved was difficult. Like, I'm sure there are people who'd be more than willing to get involved that just had no idea that this was even a thing. Yeah, I agree. It knowledge of this is definitely an issue i'm still scrolling i have not found anything actually about the kde network yet <laughs> um i found the oh, KDE wait, wikipedia wait. page i found it it is on the second page under some random linux and unix stack exchange post oh wow okay and then below that is a network manager issue on KDE Neon from 2019. <laughs> so even if you do know about it, you're going to have trouble finding it. Because mm -hmm. to be able to find it, you'd have to start the KDE network community. Mm -hmm. Because um, just because the subdomain is community.kde.org. I, okay. Maybe there's a reason for this. Why is it, why is it not called the KDE community? <laughs> like I get it, it's like a um, network of it's like a network of groups. Like that makes sense from a naming perspective, but from a SEO perspective, there okay. has got to be a better name for it, surely. I'm sure there is a better name for it that isn't network manager. Mm -hmm. Um but there is a reason it's not called the KDE community. Mm -hmm. It's because anyone who um really contributes in any way. Anyone who's part of KDE uh, is a part of the KDE community. Mm. Like, because the community isn't... Because these are many separate communities that are specifically for promotion what in about, those wait, regions. It, I have an idea. Yeah. KDE Community Network. KDE Community Network? That might work. It's a bit of a... Yeah, it's a bit wordy. Yeah, it's a bit wordy. Um... It, it, I'm sure there are 
names that we could call it that isn't this confusing. But for now, at least, it is the KDE network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of lots of different places. Um, we need more networks, and we need more people in those networks. Yep, yep, for sure. One thing, this is a bit off topic. One thing I did want to ask you, because I, I ask everybody who is at all involved in KDE about this. Um, single click or double click? I am personally double click. <laughs> what? You were the first one. Okay. What, what is your logic here? Uh, I am used to it. Okay. That is my logic. Okay. I am used to it. That is not something that I would like to change. Also, I will have to use Windows occasionally, and I do not have to want to reconfigure every single Windows machine I touch. Right, right, okay. Um, because I, I will take, I will switch between Windows and Linux. If, I'm, if I get used to single click, mm-hmm. I will, you know, sit down at someone else, like I'll go over to my friend's place, and they'll just single click on everything. Mm-hmm. And they'll look at me like I'm completely insane. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do not want to have to relearn how to use uh, my computer. Also, on things that are single click, to highlight something, I have to draw. But this is—I know this isn't the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the habit of drawing a selection box around it, which yep. isn't always easy or possible. Right, right. Depending on the spacing between items. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly, the most reason is just habit. Right. Um, single click probably is the better choice, like mm-hmm. the superior option. But I'm used to this. This isn't something I'm going to change. KDE prides itself on being the most customizable, so it's not like we're going to take away single clicks or double click support. Mm-hmm. I think like I oh, changed God. the font of the I've changed the font of the clock on my desktop. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can make it double click. <laughs> Actually, that that's something I will say. One of the things I really don't like about KDE is that font that I always see in the screenshots. Oh my god, I really hate the font. It looks so bad. <laughs> I don't... Which font? Uh, the like the 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 font that is your. It, I th- is it just the default font for the for KDE? Like when that that whatever font is being used for the clock, I really just don't like. Um. I'm noting that down. <laughs> it's it. It's probably just Let a me thing, it. and nobody else cares. Um, <clears throat> but there's something about the font that bothers me. <laughs> to be fair, uh, I I do everything with like JetBrains Mono, so maybe it's just a me thing. Um, and as well, soon as you I can change it to JetBrains Mono, yeah, I, I'm sure you can. Uh, and um, that's what I'll do. My... The second I install Plasma Six. <laughs> <laughs> my um, I'm not even talking about like the the lock. Uh, down there, which I actually have seconds turned on for. Mm. I mean, I actually placed a clock, like a digital clock widget on my desktop and changed it to a invented language. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, it, I don't actually, like, I, I can read it, but I just don't bother. And at this point, it's actually just a cool decoration on my on my desktop. Sure, okay. Why not? Um, But... You know, it's, it's, it changes, it's interactive. There's lots of little funny things you can do with KDE like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things I do like about KDE, that it's it's always been, like, really big on customization. Like, 
Not to say anything bad about Gnome, I, I, I like what Gnome does where they're trying to do a very crafted experience. And for the people who want a crafted experience, that is, you know, a great place to go. But if you're looking for something that you can really make your own and you don't want to, you know, use a tiling window manager, really right now the, <clears throat> the best option that's actually being actively worked on is probably KDE. Yeah, Plasma has a lot of stuff you can do with it. Uh, mm. For example, I have a color picker uh, in my dock, which is, I mean, sorry, not dock in the panel. I used macOS terms. That's really odd for me. Okay. Uh, in the panel, mm. I have a color picker in the panel that I can just click, pick any screen color, and I can get the exact hex code for it, copy it to my clipboard. Mm -hmm. There's one of the colors used in your profile picture. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, I it's use color very picker quick very for often. me to pull that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I use a color picker very often. My current color picker is this, I think it's a C program written like 20 years ago. Um, it just opens up a, like a, a, it changes my cursor, it pauses the screen, I just pick a thing, and that's it. It just copies to my, uh, my, my clipboard. There's nothing else to it. Um... <laughs> Sometimes it uh, breaks and locks up my entire desktop, which is fun. Uh, oh, dear. Um, it, so it doesn't actually... So what it does is it it visually covers the screen, but I can still use my desktop. So I can... I have a hotkey to open up my terminal, and if I kill the application, everything comes back. But it's, it's not good when it happens. <laughs> I would highly recommend using the KDE one if you ever yeah. switch over to Plasma. <laughs> yeah, that because seems like that a good solution. Um, yeah, if you have, you just have that icon in your dock, mm -hmm. click on the little color picker, pick a color, the color appears in that little preview window. Mm. You can, I'm just going to send another screenshot here. You can then click on the little dot and it will show you those colors. Click on any of those colors mm -hmm. to copy the hex code. That is a lot more sensible. <laughs> and for me, that is just permanently in that dock. Mm -hmm. And I can just... It's small enough, it doesn't really get in my way. I can just pull that up anytime I need it. I, I don't think you noticed, but you kept saying doc. <laughs> I'm still saying doc. You are still saying well, doc. Well, <laughs> look, most people... Look, I'm doing better. Some people are still calling it the... the um, taskbar? Taskbar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is confusing because the taskbar usually contains a task manager. Mm-hmm which is another different Windows thing that has a completely different purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, the task manager is actually the uh, icons to open apps and mm -hmm. close them. Basically, the main the thing you're using it most for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I first heard uh, panel in KDE, I was confused for a while. I didn't really know what was being talked about. Yeah, the terminology isn't the same as everything else. Again, because it's so customizable. Mm -hmm. All of these terms are very foreign for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. mm. Without just Which copying other terms that exist, like that are like Windows terms or Mac terms, like there's not really any way you can really get around that besides just yes. having easy ways to explain it. And even if we did have a, even if we did decide we are calling it uh, the taskbar, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a taskbar without a task manager. Mm -hmm. It's optional. Right. So 
what do you have if you have a task bar without the task that's just a bar status bar <laughs> you can have one without a status bar you could that's you could good... pull that out so you just have an empty bar there if you want to you can have a bar like an entire panel on your screen mm -hmm. and all it is is just lots of color pickers <laughs> you just you've just filled it with many many color pickers sure you can put uh, what widgets have we got? We can you can have the time, mm -hmm. um, just have and time. You can have, you can have an analog clock. Just have you time have... in like a bunch of different countries. Yeah, just have have an analog clock for every time zone. Uh, I actually don't know if you can do that. We probably can. Um, <laughs> if you can't, someone add that just for the memes. Yeah, someone should absolutely add that. That'd be good. Having different time zones for each panel for each uh, widget. Actually, having the ability to set multiple time zones is kind of useful, especially if you are someone who does um, meetings with people, you know, in, like, you got, like, American meetings or whatever, and you're in Australia. Yes. Um, another thing, actually, don't think this, yeah, won't let you put it in a panel, but there is actually a widget that you can put on a, mm -hmm. on the desktop, which at this point, if you, you might as well not use a panel for this, <laughs> what we're talking about. Uh, that shows individual uh, usage of each core. Like, you can have system monitors mm -hmm. there as well. Um, again, all these things that uh, Windows got rid of um, uh, with Windows 8. Mm. Windows 8? No, Windows 10. Uh, the, those um, sort of widgets that they got rid of back mm -hmm. then. The Windows 7 ones were good. I liked the... Um, like the... Basically, the system monitor one in Windows 7 that yep. was actually useful. Either way, you can bring that back with Plasma, put it anywhere on your desktop, resize it, change the font of your clock mm -hmm. to a language that literally doesn't exist, have the time in words. <laughs> please, like, you can do it. Please don't do that. Just learn, <laughs> just learn to, at, at a minimum, learn to read numbers. Please. <laughs> uh, I have, I have the time written out on my desktop. I have it. Um, actually, I'll, I'll just properly take a screenshot. This is here. I also have the time in numbers at the I bottom hate, right. You know, normally where it would so be, much. which I, is good. I hate. That. But I just find this incredibly funny. <laughs> I hate that so much. If you want to do it, your system, go right ahead, but I'm certainly not going to. I, I love the, the fact that I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. But in this case, like, you've mentioned um, when you read out that uh, article about write, um, what was it, write dumb software or mm -hmm. something like mm -hmm. that. Um, just because you can sometimes means you should. In this case, I decided that I should. Hey, look, if you if you can do it, why not? Like same with the um the cube, which recently uh, came back. Yes, the cube is the cube is great. Cubies love cubies life. I I don't get the love for the cube. I really don't. I personally do not use the cube. Um, but we knew that it was big enough to the point where the promo team, I think their, 
post was just the cube is back mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with just an image of the cube and nothing else. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, it is just an iconic part of like the early, early part of um, Linux compositing that everybody sort of knows about it. Yes. Um, it's a thing there. We can have it. Why not? Doesn't mean you should. I mean, if you have a look at a lot of the different, especially in um, Plasma 5, they're mm. actually removing a couple of the pointless ones in Plasma 6. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you actually look at the, um, uh, the task switcher, which is like the alt tab menu, mm. uh, you can choose cover flow. Cover flow. Like cover switch, it's called, like um, oh. non Apple branded cover flow mm -hmm. as a valid option. Mm -hmm. Um. There's a lot of different um, options that you can pick in there for how you want your alt tab menu to work. Mm -hmm. um, if anything, the cube is probably more useful than cover switch. Um, I personally use it. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably not the m most useful one I could use, though. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I could get a lot more information over choosing breeze or compact or small icons yeah 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 or text only who would use text only text only um that is exactly what it says on the tin if you are if you use a screen reader and you don't need the graphical display oh yes that actually would be a useful thing for that if, if you don't need a screen reader and you're doing it i, I think you're a crazy person but Sure. The option, the options there is accessibility, and for everyone else, I don't know why you're using it. Yes. Um, again, yeah. There's lots of, lots of different options there. Some of them you probably should use, and other ones Nate mentioned in his blog you probably shouldn't. Uh, and they're going away because they are literally just a slightly worse version of another option. Right. Right. Um, I think there was something about. I can't remember if these were the exact ones. But I think it was like grid versus large icons. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, there was a couple of these here, like thumbnails versus thumbnail grid. Mm -hmm. And one was just a slightly more polished version than the other. Uh, well, that makes sense because there's been, like, a lot of these effects have been around for a long, long time. So, yeah. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, they are basically the same thing, okay. They are, yeah, they are pretty much the same thing. One just has very slightly improved versions mm -hmm. of everything, so it's like, okay, why are we still maintaining both? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, these are the same option. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Yeah, so... Yeah, there's a lot of different things that you can do. You can customize it. You can, again, probably the best thing about KDE is the fact that you can customize it to be literally anything you want it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, people have done uh, skins that, well, not skins, well, uh, global themes is the correct term, that can completely transform the user interface into something that looks completely different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, obviously, the most popular examples are the Windows themes. Yes, of course they are. Um, and all of that is incredibly possible through 
this system we've got set up, you can also download all of those themes uh, directly from the, um, well, directly from system settings, really. Uh, all you do to change your theme is you just go to the appearance section, which is right at the top, mm -hmm. get new global themes, uh, and you can... This actually my, the, the name of the window that pops up when you do that is my favorite repo name. Um, hey, new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then K hey, new stuff will open up, also known as download new global themes, mm -hmm. system settings. You just pick a theme, hit install, it'll download it, and then you can just switch to it. Mm -hmm. And or even just switch to part of it, mm -hmm. uh, change some settings, but not others. Yep. Yep. It is incredibly customizable. Want to change your default system font, which actually I'm pretty sure that clock, that default clock is the standard system font. Mm -hmm. You can set it to a monotype font if you want, just install that font and just tell KDE, this is my, this is my font. I, I use this one. I guarantee any typist out there hates the fact that I use a monospace font for, for a lot of things. Absolutely. Like, um, no, that's incorrect. You can't do that. Like, not my problem. <laughs> K-Write is always monotype. Mm -hmm. um, I just use that for general note-taking, which means yeah. I use monotype fonts for general note-taking yeah, quite I, a lot. All my notes are in Vim, so yeah, I use a monospace font because I got it set up for programming. Sure. Don't please don't program without a monospace font. If you are actually better yet, don't. I saw someone programming in a cursive font. Like, please don't do that. Oh, I I was about to say that actually. Oh no, I thought that was a joke. <laughs> I saw. I've seen people programming in cursive as I a joke. Think yeah, a lot of it is jokes. Um, but I'm sure there are people that do it like. Seriously. Here's the worst example. Oh, yes, I have seen that. There are actually um programming fonts that do have some cursive elements that I don't hate. Um, but... Oh, like, um, uh, like Python F strings having the mathematical F. Um, I think this is a good example where I I don't I I wouldn't say I like this um, but I don't hate it as much. It uses cursive for like key values. Oh, um, at least it differentiates them. Yeah, that that's it's a bit too cursive for me, but. Something a bit lighter than that, I think, actually is a good visual indicator of what's happening. Um, italics could also work. Italics also works. You are right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, that works too, I guess. Look, as you said, customization. Customization is great. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, and that's why we're giving you that power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want, we're going to set you very sane defaults, mm -hmm. defaults that you can happily just 
not ever change mm -hmm. and just use your system as normal and you probably won't even care. Mm -hmm. But if you want to change something, we will give you every option. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, I think we should be uh, wrapping it up. Okay. So um, let people know where they can... I guess get involved with KDE Networks, where if they want to get involved with the Australian one, where they can go for that as well. So, uh, to get involved with KDE Networks, um, I would recommend going to the KDE Network uh, wiki page. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you will put the link in the description somewhere for that. Yep. Yep, okay. Uh, check in the description. There will be a wiki page for the KDE Network. Right at the top, there is a Matrix uh, join link. Um, you will need a Matrix account to join. Uh, it might try to get you to make a KDE.org Matrix account. Mm -hmm. Those are not open to the public. Uh, make one with whatever Matrix hosting service you want to use. Matrix.org hosts one. It's fine. Um, so make a Matrix account. Uh, join us there. Um, there is, uh, if you can't manage to work it out, there is also apparently a KDE network telegram. Uh, you would be able to join there and see if you can get your matrix stuff set up that way. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to help out in other ways, there is always the, uh, KDE get involved page. And there is information for every different way that you can possibly help us there. Uh, and as for the Australian one, if they want to get involved with that one specifically? Oh, specifically for the Australian one. Okay. Um, if you want to join any specific network, um, include... Oh, we lost him. Hello? Hello? <laughs> is that my side or is that your side? Uh... Um, hello, is this working? Yes, it is working now. Uh, my UPS just beeped. <laughs> oh, that... Okay. <laughs> yep, okay. Well, let's wrap this up quickly then. Okay, no, that's fine. I'm on my phone now. Um, uh, because I'm... Okay, that's fine. Um, anyway, so if you want to join uh, specifically the Australian group, there is also a link for the Australian page on that uh, wiki page um, that's in that description. Um, there's a link for the Australian page. Join our specific Matrix channel. Mm -hmm. There is information there uh, on, yeah, just join that Matrix channel. Say hi and everyone will get you in, um, let you know, hey, what can be done. If you want to contribute to any specific events, just let us know in the channel. And there's a, there's a lot of different stuff that can happen there. And that goes for any of the KDE networks, not just Network Australia. Right. Awesome. Uh, anything else you want to shout out, or is that pretty much in? I can do my outro. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much. You can go into the outro. Awesome. Okay, so if you want to see my gaming stuff, I stream twice a week over on Brody on Games on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, I'm probably playing not Armored Core and Kingdom Hearts. I'm probably playing through Neptunia Sisters vs. Sisters and... Uh, Neo, the world ends with you. So come hang out, hang out for the, the weeb garbage. Have fun with that. Um, 
If you want to see my Linux stuff, that is over on Brody Robertson. I do videos there six-ish days a week. Sometimes it's KDE stuff, and when Plasma 6 comes out, expect to see a couple of videos about that. Uh, there's probably going to be some Steam Deck videos coming out as well, so I'm sure there'll be something fun. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you can find the video version on YouTube at TechOverT. If you're watching the video and want to find the audio, there is an RSS feed. There is a podcast feed on every platform out there. Uh, chuck it in your favorite app if you want to use that instead. I noticed that below Spotify, my biggest uh, group is AntennaPod. Great app. Go use it. Uh, does Katie have a podcast app? Uh, podcast app? I do believe we do. I do not know the name of it. Hmm, let's see. <laughs> We're um, not good considering this is a promo thing I'm doing. But yes, we do Casts. have a podcast app. Casts, yes. I think that is more for Plasma Mobile, but it should work on desktop as well. Um... Uh, pretty much everything that works on Plasma Mobile works on desktop. So It's on Flathub, so I'm guessing you could just you could just install it, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. The screenshots um, here are mobile is... screenshots. Oh, yeah, it's, it's even... got a very adaptive UI. Okay. Uh, yes, the, as far as I know, I'm not a hundred percent on this, but mm -hmm. pretty much everything that we, uh, make for plasma mobile, or mm -hmm. even a lot of the stuff that's made for desktop, mm -hmm. uh, the KDE frameworks essentially force you to make the app in a way that is very adaptive between everything. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Depending on which framework you use. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sweet. Um, I think that's pretty much... It then, uh, I'll give you the final word. What do you want to say? Um, I don't actually have anything to say. <laughs> no one ever does. I just let them just go with it, just, see what happens. Just go with it, see what happens. That probably happens quite a lot. Yeah. See you guys it's, later. Yeah.